the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Thursday the 27th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning. Good morning. It's a big day today. we got the NFL draft coming up. Hopefully a couple of uh, local guys will get, be able to hear their names today. We'll be talking about that uh, here in a little bit as well. But um, all right, real quick. How early do you think? Let's just talk Joey Fisher because, of course, sure. you know, Bajan, Bajan's Bajan, right? How quick does Joey hear his name tonight? I don't think he won't hear it tonight. Or well, um, this weekend, I should say, not tonight. I, I would be optimistic to say he could hear it on day two. He said that teams had day two grades on him, but that'd be a second or a third round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most likely, he's going to be probably picked in the fifth or sixth round. And we said when we talked about it on our mock, I think both Tyson and Ronnie, if they get drafted, will be seventh round picks. So it's going to be interesting. You know, draft parties happen, of course, for guys at the top. You yeah. see them cut to them on cameras, and everybody's going nuts because they know their name's going to get called. But there's also draft parties every year for these guys that. They might be uh, priority free agents. You know, it's going to be nervy wherever those guys are. Hopefully, the sooner the better. Right. It just takes one general manager to fall in love with a player and say, hey, I want this guy. We're taking him with the fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a feeling they're going to be waiting for a while. And uh, knowing those guys as competitors, hopefully it'll just, you know, build to the fire of competitiveness as they, they begin their NFL career. And if you know those guys and you're listening, don't just call them to mess with them tonight. All right. <laughs> I've, I, the amount of stories I've seen on the Internet the past couple of days about you know past and current NFL guys talking about their draft night and their buddies calling their phone and saying they're this is Bill Belichick. BGM right and then by the time the actual GM or coach calls them they hang up on them because they don't think it's them so if you know those guys <laughs> don't mess with them all right let them uh, enjoy it with their family or if you're going to be with them wherever they're at uh, enjoy it with them but don't don't mess with them all right it's a big day for everybody every especially the family Everybody involved. We had uh, baseball last night. Jefferson getting a big win over Washington. Yeah, we did. That was an important one for Jefferson. They want to be the top dogs in that section. They continue to be. It was a, a dominant performance. Martinsburg had a little bit of trouble uh, with the tribe at Berkeley Springs. You know, Berkeley Springs hasn't had the season that we wanted. But they play some tough baseball. That's the thing about this area is you've got guys uh, top through the bottom in the lineups that can have competitive at-bats and, and make things tight. This game was 4-3 to three at one point before Martinsburg, excuse me, Martinsburg scores uh, six unanswered. So Jefferson's place in the, the grand scheme of things is probably going to be a section champs playing somebody out of the Berkeley County section in a regional final. Martinsburg wants to be one of those teams to contend in that Berkeley regional because, again, it's Musselman and Hedgesville at the top. We had the argument on the show yesterday I still think it's Musselman we had the texture that thinks it's Hedgesville mm-hmm. I know that you guys like Hedgesville as well and then Martinsburg's not that far on the outside looking in they had a, a mediocre middle of the season but they've really turned it on as of late and then we had some softball scores as well Hedgesville with a big win against spring or clear springs it was senior night too I went past that going to my nephew's game awesome yeah. that's a, I love driving past there it's pretty cool I, I don't know why but it's something about people sitting on the beds of pickup mm-hmm. trucks beyond the outfield fence that's just cool uh, but Hedgesville wants to be the top contender. 
Washington and Jefferson will beat each other to death in their section. And then the winner will have to play somebody, again, from Berkeley County to get to the state tournament in Charleston. I would expect that to be Hedgesville, and Hedgesville has not played incredibly competitively against Jefferson or Washington this year. So a big win against Clear Springs is a, a Washington or a Jefferson-like team is big for them. Um, East Hardy beat Martinsburg 18-0. Martinsburg still winless on the season. Washington beat another talented out-of-state team in James Wood, 7-5 that one. Uh, so those were the scores. And again, as it stands, we're expecting the winner of Washington and Jefferson in softball to be the team to go to the state tournament. Uh, baseball still a little bit more wide open. It's a three and a half team horse race. Uh, I, I would put Washington. I'm sorry, Martinsburg is that half. Uh, but things continue to be competitive, uh, and it's going to be some fun baseball and softball down the stretch. And we got a ton of guests today, so uh, we're going to try and get through a lot of the you know big sports headlines uh, here in this first segment. We got uh, the new Washington basketball coach coming in, and also a uh, pretty influential person in Jefferson baseball history will be uh, calling in at uh, after the bottom of the hour but let's talk uh let's talk draft let's talk O's let's talk Knicks just throw it all out there whatever y'all want to hit <laughs> sure I just want to run through two more locals if you don't mind Quentin oh, Goins yeah. got an invite uh to the Maryland spring game love to see Maryland recruiting down in West Virginia a little bit feel like you never see that well it's so funny you're closer obviously to Maryland than you are to West Virginia but there's that divide because you're a West Virginia kid well and they got they got Baltimore they got DC yeah, they got oh, enough yeah. Philly even there so they got they got their thing their places to go recruit but I love seeing them dipping down into West Virginia and of course last week he and Troy Wollaston were both at the West Virginia spring game and the Mountaineers uh, in terms of their athletics added a couple of big transfers we weren't able to talk about yesterday uh, the basketball team ad added Raekwon Battle Raekwon Battle was one of the top gets left in the transfer portal played at Montana State averaged 18 points per game last year shot 35% from three six foot five he's probably going to start right away so you're looking at a team that's going to have Kirk Kreisha transfer uh, and then battle potentially at the two transfer. Um, I, for Jose Perez, forgive mm -hmm, me, also mm -hmm. on the wing transfer. Jesse Edwards down low transfer. Trey Mitchell, who transferred in from last year. Bob Huggins has certainly won the transfer portal. And I don't think they're done. And then the football team adds Jalen Ellis. Jalen Ellis was at Baylor last year. Listen to this stat line. Three catches, 152 yards, and a touchdown. He had a bad day. Yeah, he had a hundred meter dash time his senior year in high school. That was about a, a tenth of a second faster than Jare Hawkins, who's currently being recruited, of mm -hmm. course, from Wheeling Park. He's got game changing speed. He's got potentially sub four three speed. So it's no surprise uh, that the, the Mountaineers brought him in. So those are two really impactful transfers. But uh, Parker was also a really successful day uh, for the baseball teams we cover as well: the Orioles, the Nationals, the Pirates. All victorious yesterday. Love to see it. That's huge. Yeah, the Orioles picking up a 6-2 win over Boston last night. It was Parker's picks lock of the day for yesterday, mind, mm -hmm. mind you. So that was a big dub right there for the day. The Nats getting a leg up on the Mets in this series. Who would have called that Listen, one? Listen, I'm going to get out ahead of it. <laughs> Nats are going to make a run. <laughs> I'm going to get in front of it. I said this All when right. they made in 2019. All right. Hold the horses. They're going to make a run. <laughs> I know you were on a high horse today because the Knicks beat the Cavs in five. But hold, hold your roll. I'm telling you, man. You heard it here first. 8-12. What does a run mean to you? 8-12. That, I mean, no, they're not going to win the pennant. Well, no, no, they're I'm not, not saying they're going to win the they, I think they're going to be top half of the They of will the be in contention until yeah. what point in the season? J July, August is... I'd I, say, I'll say first week of August. All right, yeah, that's not first week unreasonable. Okay. That's not unreasonable. And of course, they're not going to win a pennant. They're I don't win agree. A World it's not unreasonable. But I think they're going to be way more consistently <laughs> good than people thought. Well, the main thing is it's showing that these prospects and the young guys they've been getting are growing, mm -hmm. which is really the important thing right now. We've mentioned 
how the Orioles have built themselves to a team on the brink of getting into the playoffs and potentially making the playoffs this season. They did it this way, getting in prospects, having one of the better farm systems in baseball, growing these young guys, and now they're on the majors, guys like Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, who made some moments early on here this season. It's the same thing for these Nationals right now. You've got C.J. Abrams, Kibi Ruiz, Josiah Gray, who's been looking really good. And as my early pick probably for the Nationals All-Star this season is Josiah. Oh, yeah. But – and then you got guys in the minors too. You've got James Wood, who a lot of people are absolutely raving mm-hmm. about this kid. Robert Hassel, who's a fantastic defender out in the outfield. You got Elijah Green, who was a top five pick in this past draft. There's a lot of potential in this Nationals team. Again, you just got to be a little bit patient with them. They're retooling a roster that went all in for a World Series, and that's the price of it. You for a World Series, a Super Bowl, an NBA Finals championship. Sometimes that's the price you pay. For going all in, you've got well, to rebuild. Well, O's fans certainly aren't patient anymore. They've been patient long enough, and they got a good team, and they are seeing a good team out there, and they're vocal about it. I mean, these Orioles are fun to watch, man. They are. They have really good at bats. They're beating good teams. You know, taking the series from Boston is important because Boston's a middle of the road team that you want to lap this year. So they're playing great baseball. As are the Pirates. Out of mm-hmm. I mean, they're three mm-hmm. years ahead of schedule. They dominate the Dodgers yesterday. Shout but, out Drew Maggie. That's the thing. That Drew awesome. Maggie, the storyline awesome. of it was him pinch hitting for Andrew McCutcheon. He played 1,155 minor league games. He is 33 years old, just made his major league debut. Certainly well-deserved for him. Pirates fans love it. And Pirates fans love everything right now because they're one of the best teams in the National League. They can't be beaten. And they're doing this without JT Brubaker. They're doing this without Yoshida and key pieces in their starting lineup, too. So, I mean, I don't expect it to last. No disrespect. We remember when the Pirates did that in 2011 yep. and 2012. They had those epic July collapses. Uh, so I expect that to happen again. But this is fun, and it proves that this team can be like 2013 when they went to the wild card game and the Cueto game, and they can make the playoffs soon. You know, I saw a video yesterday. You brought up Adley Rutschman. I didn't realize he played college football. Yes. He yeah, was he the did. kicker for uh, Oregon State, right? And mm-hmm. I saw a clip of him kicking off to Stanford where – Christian McCaffrey returned it, uh, and then oh, Adley Rutschman lays him out. Yeah, I was I've like, "What world is this?" Clip. <laughs> yeah, it was like the Twilight Zone there for a minute, but I thought that was pretty cool. But these Orioles are fun. We got Orioles baseball tonight on WPM and WCST. Six forty first pitch. We'll have it right here uh, for you. They take on the Tigers. Another very winnable game for the Orioles in a three game set uh, on the road. And then you talk about the Pirates coming up on Sunday. One thirty five Pirates um, coming down to DC to take on the Nationals. We'll see if the Nats can actually keep things moving along there. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, Orioles-Tigers set finishes up on Sunday as well. But we'll step aside here for a few minutes. When we come back, we'll be chatting with the brand-new Washington basketball coach after the break on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us in studio, the new Washington basketball coach, Ryan Miller. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And congratulations on the new role. Now, this isn't your first coaching role. Uh, you were down at Wildwood Middle School, but you're taking over the high school team now uh, over at Washington. Uh, are you nervous? Are you excited? How are you thinking going into the new role? Yeah, I think there's always a little bit of nerves uh, when you just step up a level, but um, I'm more excited than anything else. Uh, I'm just ready to get rolling. Um, it's been a long process since I interviewed. It's been probably about a month. Of course, we had spring break in there, so that kind of threw things off. But um, yeah, I'm just excited. Parent meeting tonight, and then we get started. 
Well, Coach, take us through, I guess, your Wikipedia page then. Uh, we talked about playing for <laughs> Kelly Church, but uh, kind of your bio, where are you from, where you played in high school and your coaching career up until this point? Yeah, so I, um, I'm from here. Uh, I've been in, was raised in Hedgesville, moved to Martinsburg, but it's all the same area, really. Um, went to Hedgesville High School from 07 to 10, and uh, so played for Kelly, went to the state tournament with him in 2010. Um, and then after that, did a few years at Shepherd, and then uh, joined the staff at Spring Mills High School whenever they opened in 2013. I uh, got to coach with Joel Silver and really was brought on as a young guy who could run scout team stuff and play and practice with the guys because mm-hmm. could still get up and down a little bit. And um, so that was interesting. Uh, I didn't really know that I wanted to be a coach then, but it was an opportunity to, to do something and, and be around the game still. Now, and uh, I fell in love with it, to be honest with you. Now, i got to ask you quick. You played for Kelly Church. We all know Kelly Church. He's a fiery head coach. Mm-hmm. Did that rub off on your coaching style at all? Uh, I can get fiery. Uh, I, 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 I try to stay calm a little bit. Now, my kids might tell you different. They yeah. might say, no, he's fiery all the time. But, uh, no, I, I try to stay pretty calm. I mean, uh, my, my thing is if, if I'm calm, my kids are going to be calm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think you got to stay like that. Now, there's a time you got to get fiery. If the kids got to know that you have your back or something like that, you know, Time and a place for everything, but um, for the most time, for the most part, I try to stay pretty calm. Well, Coach, being from the area, then you've seen EPAC basketball change. You know, growing up, I'm sure a lot of Martinsburg and Hedgesville, but Jefferson in the last couple of years has seen a renaissance. Spring Mills was the team to beat mm-hmm. uh, for much of this season until the month of February. I mean, have you just seen the EPAC in general grow deeper, more talent, and and very uh, with it more talented coaches in the area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said it yesterday on an interview. Um, anybody can beat anybody on a given night here. And there's no, um, everyone knows everybody. The kids all play together. So like, it's just, it's one big basketball community and they go their separate ways in high school, but the games are so competitive. Everybody knows what everybody's going to do before they do it. Um, And it just, it makes things really interesting around here. And coach throughout this past season, I think there was one person, all three of us could say really flashed a lot for the Patriots. And that was Christopher Dolman freshman last Mm -hmm. year was absolutely fantastic. The way he can move with the ball. What's like part of your plan for Dolman as he enters year two in this Patriots program, a fantastic freshman year. People talk about the sophomore slump occasionally for players. So what's the plan for Dolman Dolman as he gets ready for year two? So uh, I had to guard or we had to guard Chris for three years in middle school. So first (laughs) off, I'm just glad to get to coach him now. Um, He's a, he's a fantastic player and uh, on the court, Chris is going to be fine. We talked a little bit off the court. And um, I told him I needed him to step up and be a leader. Um, and as a sophomore, a lot of kids don't want to take on that role. But I told him if he wanted to become a better player, it starts with being a leader off the floor and on the floor as well. But he's going to be fine. He works super hard every day. Um, I don't think he stopped playing basketball for probably more than a week since, you know, it's probably his middle school career started. So Chris is going to be ready. So coach, coaching at Wildwood, like we said, a little bit more of a feeder to the Jefferson program. Have you played against a lot of these Washington guys that now you're going to be coaching? And I'm sure you played against a lot of – players that are coming up through the system for the other Panhandle teams, maybe a little bit of an advantage if you gotten an early sneak peek as to the players that you're going to be matching up against, not just this year, but uh, for years to come. Yeah, a little bit. Um, just knowing what to expect going forward. And of course, the, you know, you have that mix in high school or middle school, you got three years and in Jefferson County, you can play as a sixth grader on the, on the varsity team. But, um, you know, you kind of mix together. So all the teams are kind of different um, in middle school, really your eighth grade for the most part stays with the eighth grade, seventh with the seventh. And uh, in high school, you see it now. You have freshmen playing on varsity and, you know, with juniors and seniors. So it's a little different, but I do think it is a little advantage to know what the kids, there was some tendencies, um, know what they like to do and what they don't like to do. Now, it wasn't necessarily the season that the Patriots were looking for last season. Uh, the, the talent's there, but like you said, the competition in this area is just so tough. If you're not, you know, on your game every night, 
uh, you could get clipped off. So, uh, what are you? How are you feeling? Looking forward? You look at that team last year, the group. You talk about Dolman and things like that. Uh, how do you feel moving forward into this uh, this new role into this new season and chapter with Washington basketball? Yeah, well, they have a lot of young talent coming back. Uh, obviously, Christopher gets uh, the, a lot of the attention being the mm-hmm. All-PPAC guy, but uh, George Welty, the big kid, mm-hmm. he's a legitimate six 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 seven kid, big body, physical, works really hard. Uh, we got Malik Smith back who can really shoot it. Shot at about 40% from behind the line last year. And then there's a lot of guys off that JV team that were freshmen last year that are going to make a big leap. Um, again, I played against that Charlestown team, and they gave us fits whenever mm-hmm. I played at Wildwood. It was probably one of our toughest games we played every year. Um, so I'm anxious to get my hands on those guys. And, um, again, we're making progress. You know, I, we went, they went 3-18 and 18 last year. I don't mm-hmm. expect to go 18-3. and three. Uh, I'm not naive to it. I, I just want progress. If we can be competitive on a nightly basis, that's going to be good enough for me. Well, stylistically, Coach, how you've coached in the past yeah, in the system you played and had success at Wildwood, how should we expect Washington to play offensively and defensively this year? So a lot of it's going to depend. And again, I've, I've seen a lot of those guys, so I think my style fits pretty well. But I, I know I'm going to have to adjust. One thing about being a high school coach is when you're not allowed to recruit, you can't recruit to a system, right? So you have to adjust year over year. Um, you might have to run a different offense one year than you did in the year past or different defense. You know, you might have and when you're playing man to man, you could deny some. But a lot of times you're playing in the gap if you don't have better athletes. So it just depends. Um, at Wildwood, we got up and down um, for a middle school team where you only have six minute quarters. We were in the 50s, 60s, sometimes hit 70 Whoa. and 80 points some games. Wow. Um, so when we, we definitely got up and down a little bit. Um, we, we like to get after you on the defensive end. We played a lot of man-to-man, and when we did go zone, you know, we were up three-quarter court most of the time. So um, I, I do like to get up and down, and a lot of people go, well, he played for Kelly Church. You know, he's a slow-it-down guy. That's not me. <laughs> um, and really, honestly, Kelly's not anymore either. I think he gets a bad rep because of one game at the state tournament. Right. But they get up and down <laughs> as much as anybody else. Uh, like they really do. You know, most of the time they're not holding it for more than 10 seconds at a time. That's just basketball nowadays. So uh, we do want to get up and down a little bit. We're going to get after you on the defensive end. That's kind of where I pride myself. Um, and I, th- I think the kids will adapt fine to that. And coach, we look at this past year in the EPAC, I really feel like maybe that window of opportunity to really make a big run from where the Patriots were last year, this year is there. We talked about this Hedgesville team, a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of seniors on that team. Jefferson losing one of, if not the best player in the EPAC, and Will Shively, he's gone. Martinsburg had a down season last year. Musselman had to have a second season surge to get them in real talking point to maybe get out of the region and get into the final do you think there's really a wide open race right now in the EPEC with all the teams spring mills is coming back in the next season with a lot of question marks too is that really where you're feeling on things right now it's kind of a wide open race yeah I mean I, I think the EPEC in general every year is like that um team again teams are so competitive in this area you get scouted so much I mean everybody's within a couple miles of each other so you look up in the stands at every game you got two or three coaches mm-hmm. um and you know they're they're live scouting you so they're hearing calls they're doing this so the, the epac's always going to be pretty competitive um a lot of those teams got a lot of talent coming back even though they got some stuff leaving like musselman's got all those freshmen that played on the varsity level that are going to be good and they're coming back spring mills guys most of those guys back um hedgesville did lose some seniors but they did really well on the jv level uh so it i think the epac's going to be super competitive again and it, it's it's always going to be tough in this area but you just got to keep after it, and eventually it's going to pan out for us. And, Coach, maybe it's not like this in middle school. Maybe it is. I have no idea. But a uh, little bit of horse trading, players changing teams and stuff in high school. Of course, now you've got the one-trend transfer rule. Was there a little bit of trepidation maybe taking this job, stepping into a new world with personnel, uh, you know, changing uh, – as quickly as it can or do you see that as a challenge that you're interested in tackling uh i think it actually helps us a little bit um i'm hoping to get a lot of young talent that's from the middle school level a lot of those guys know me and um there's always been the freshman rule where you can kind of go wherever you want mm-hmm. so um you know I, hopefully we benefit from that it, when this new transfer rule goes in it's certainly it's going to be tough 
Um, you got to make your program as attractive as possible. And you're, again, you're not allowed to recruit. So you just have to, from the outside looking in, make it look really good. And people have to know that you're doing things the right way, um, which is what we're going to try to do at Washington. Speaking with Ryan Miller, new Washington basketball coach. And, of course, we talk a lot about the players, rightfully so. I mean, they're the ones out there uh, doing the work. But the coaches in the in this area have gotten, well, I think in high school basketball in general, have gotten so much better over the last decade or so. I mean, when you have the stats and you know the different analytics and things that have come out uh, technology-wise, but it's not just how it used to be, it seems like, you know, there's one high school that's got that legendary coach, right? Like, say, Kelly Church. It's just him, you know, at one school. Now it seems like every school has a head coach and a, and a staff of coaches that, like you said, are out there scouting, they're recruiting, they're, you know, doing their thing. Do you, how much do you think that's helped uh, in the EPAC the last, uh, what, say, decade or so, or is that you've been uh, around, how that's changed the basketball around here with the coaches being a little bit more specialized? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the, the coaching's gotten so much better in this area. I mean, um, like you said, Kelly Church is great. Dave Rogers is a legend. I think he might have the most wins in West Virginia history at this point. <laughs> or if he's not, he's definitely up in the top. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Derek Basile did a fantastic job and does year over year. Luke Samples did a great job with yep. that Spring Mills team. And then Richard Lewis down to Jefferson, you know, we have a pretty good relationship. He does a great job with what he has. So um, I, I know I'm in for a battle every night. And one thing that I, I thrive on competition, so I just go into it. And it's not just me against the guys. It's me against that other coach too, right? And that just kind of fuels me. Um, so we're just going to have to work really hard. I got a lot of guys coming on my staff with high school experience. I took two guys off that Hedgesville staff that are going to come over with us. Uh, one guy that – uh, went from Wildwood is coming over with me and then uh, we're going to add a couple new pieces as well so we have a staff of guys that know what they're doing and it's just going to be it's going to be a lot of hard work but we're ready yeah we're speaking with Ryan Miller new Washington basketball coach we'll let you go uh, here thank you for hanging out with us a little bit but have you hit the ground running already you said you got a parent meeting coming up I mean have you been hanging out with some of the guys maybe at an open gym or something like that yeah so um b- until I was officially board approved with happened on Monday night, wasn't allowed to do too much. But as soon as this parent meeting happens tonight, we're going to give them a schedule for the next two months, and it's pretty much filled up. Um, you know, we're going to get in the gym a couple times a week. Weight room is going to be really important for us because we're going to be so young. Um, we've got a couple team camps. Um, I know we're going to go to probably two universities and do a team camp. So um, it, it, it's going to be busy. I haven't gotten around the guys too much, but uh, they're going to be around me a lot coming up. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us this morning. I'm sure you'll be uh, talking and seeing us all over the place uh, once basketball season comes back around. But good luck and, uh, well, have fun in your first season (laughs) up in high school. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. And stick around. We'll have more after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Winter alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. If you missed it, right before the break, we chatted with Ryan Miller, the new Washington basketball head coach, making his way up from Wildwood Middle School. If you missed anything, listen back to it a little bit later on today on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page and also uh, over on Twitter. But we've got our next guest joining us on the line, and this is a pretty cool one. Luke, I'll let you uh, bring this one in because this guy, pretty influential. We talk about uh, Coach Lowry at Jefferson all the time, how he's been there for forever right and how you know crit- or influential he's been in uh, baseball around here but if it wasn't for this guy who knows what could happen absolutely so joining us on the line now the the legend that is jerry mahoney and tonight we're going to have a special ceremony to honor 50 years of jefferson baseball jerry mahoney of course he threw the first pitch in program history and bruce clinton also uh an impactful member of jefferson baseball going on to wvu as well is also going to be in attendance and jerry can also attest to the fact that uh, it was probably until my junior year of high school before I started hitting the ball out of the infield. Uh, and Jerry, uh, th- thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you guys? All right. 
So uh, talk to us a little bit about those early days of Jefferson baseball, because for us now, we think of Jefferson baseball. We think of, you know, the state championships, all the wins, you know, the history and stuff behind it. But when you were getting in with Jefferson baseball, there was none of that. So what was that like back in the day? Well, like I said, when we uh, first started the first season, we didn't even have a field to play on. We had to play at a facility out at Lee Town there in Jefferson County. And we had to combine three schools, which was, uh, you know, a new thing because of most of us, like I said, I played at Shepherdstown and uh, we had teammates from Harps Ferry and Charlestown. And, uh, you know, putting together a team was, uh, you know, going to be a tough uh, task. But uh, like I said, John Lowry, who uh, was a young man himself at that time, <laughs> uh, was a very instrumental in knowing how to do that. And like I say, he trusted our senior. We had some good senior leadership there, uh, myself and uh, Bruce Clinton and uh, the late Pat Dorsey, who uh, was an influential guy on that team, also from Charlestown. And uh, it just, uh, you know, we played a season, and uh, we uh, were fortunate enough to make it to the semifinals of the state tournament that year. And uh, I'd say that's a you know, big accomplishment, but, you know, you you look down the road, and uh, there's been a lot more accomplishment there at Jefferson High School. Like I said, I, I consider it the best program, uh, you know, in the state as far as uh, being a program. You, you know, like I say, you got a lot of teams and all that in the state, but it's you know, it's hard to call yourself a program. You have to earn that. Uh, well, Jerry, of course, you were a part, like you said, of that Shepherdstown High School team that won a state championship. You got to win that state championship game pitching as a freshman. Was there some trepidation, I guess, from the, uh, the schools, especially you guys, you know, kind of had a good thing going there in single A, but then you guys all combined to Jefferson. I mean, was there a little bit of a concern that baseball wasn't going to be as successful when you consolidated those programs and moved up, or were you all kind of just excited to team up? Well, it's uh, funny that you say that because uh, Coach Lowry was coaching at Harpers Ferry High School, which was a rival of the uh, Shepherdstown High School. And then, like the East Team, Charlestown being a uh, bigger school, you know, everybody played each other down there in the section. And, you know, I'm sure that was a concern, but, uh, you know, if, if you know anything about Jefferson County, it's a baseball county. Kids like to play baseball down there. They have forever. And, uh, like I said, Coach Lowry's done a great job, and he did a great job that year to, uh, you know, to uh, get to where we got to. And, uh, Jerry, over the years of Jefferson baseball, you mentioned consistency, celebrating 50 years today of that program. If you were to really sum up what Jefferson baseball is in a word or a sentence, what, what would you think that would be for this program at Jefferson? Oh, it definitely would be prideful. I've always said that the Jefferson County kids are very take very much uh, you know pride in the uh, program from the time they're little leaguers to the time they're playing as a senior in high school. It uh, it's just a prideful community down there, and uh, it's grown so much. Like they when I was down there, it wasn't all that big, and uh, but I, I believe that they're still doing it the right way, and they work from the ground up. And the success shows, and uh, I, I just think it's a prideful, uh, you know, baseball community. We're speaking with Jerry Mahoney throughout the very first pitch ever for Jefferson baseball all those years ago. And Jerry, uh, if you can harken back to that game, you remember what that pitch was? And was it a strike? Was it a ball to get a hit? What happened? <laughs> well, my uh, 
like I say, throughout my years pitching down there in the Panhandle at Shepherdstown in Jefferson, I uh, I could throw strikes. I would <laughs> I would I would take it while he was a fastball for a strike. There you <laughs> go. Uh, and, and Jerry, I wanted to ask. Obviously, you spent the last couple of years of, of your coaching career in Morgantown, but I wanted you to kind of touch on the growth, like you said, from Jefferson in the Panhandle as well. You, you talk about some of the, the 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 coaches that you had, and Jimmy Kessel over at Shepherdstown, of course, John Lowry played at Pot State as well. I mean, it was a baseball area back then, but now, I mean, there's so much talent out here. How much has the Panhandle changed from you know the 1970s a, a, until today? Well, I'm sure, like I say, it's highly competitive down there. Like I say, you got you got some big schools down there in the like Jefferson and Berkeley County. And uh I'm sure it's highly competitive. Uh you know, you got a lot of numbers to choose from. When Coach Lowry had the run of the county, you know, he was really tough to beat. <laughs> but now with the two schools down there, you you uh you know, know that the, you're gonna be limited in some of the kids that you possibly could have had by just being one school there in the county. So I'm sure it's from the competitive standpoint, it's gotten so much better. Like I said, we didn't play that many games either back then. And uh, I'm sure they're getting more exposure today, being able to play more games, better facilities. And uh, it's just, you know, things have grown so much. And, you, you know, that panhandle down there is really, every time I come home and I call Jefferson County my home, I, li- I reside in Morgantown, but Jefferson County is always my home. And uh, I, I'm amazed at what I see. And I'll probably be amazed today when I'm making that trip down there today with my uh, longtime friend and, uh, you know, the best man at my wedding, Bruce Clinton. Like I said, we, uh, we have been close since Little League. So I'm sure I'll see some uh, things that catch my eye again today. Well, talking about catching your eye and talking about facilities, I, I did want to, before we let you go, ask you a WVU question because you talk about the differences in the growth that the Panhandle has had. Uh, there's a big difference between Holly Field and Mon County Ballpark. How much have you been keeping up with the recent success of this WVU baseball program? I'm sure that same question could be asked to Bruce Clinton as well and the success that they're having. I mean, is that something that gives you certainly a, a ton of pride to currently oh, see yeah. them ranked and, and winning games like they are? Anybody that you know puts on the Mountaineer uniform is it's going to be a prideful you know individual. Like I said, uh, Coach Macy's doing a great job with what he's doing there now. Like I said, uh, playing at Holly, like uh, the surface at Holly was one of the best grass surfaces around, and uh, it was just everything out around it's nowhere near compared to what the uh, ballpark you have there today. So it's a uh, it, it's it's good to see that they're having success, and um, hopefully, you know, I'm sure the regional bound, and uh, hopefully, we can uh, you know get in there and win a regional. That that would be a big plus for the program, especially if it happened in Morgantown too. <laughs> that would certainly be pretty fun. But Jerry Mahoney, well, joining us, we hosted one there a couple of years ago, yep. and we didn't have all that mm-hmm. success that I'm sure Coach Macy would like to have. It'd be really nice to have another one. Oh, absolutely! I know. Uh, I know one part of the uh, one third of the Panhandle Sports Live crew would definitely be pretty excited about that one. Uh, but Jerry, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us this morning. Uh, be have safe travels on the way down, and uh, pretty cool that you're able to kind of have a full circle moment here after uh, well celebrating 50 years of Jefferson baseball. Well, I just hope I can throw a strike there. <laughs> hey, strike for a fastball, and if it doesn't happen, if you talk to us again, you can tell us it was strike for a fastball, and we'll uh, go with it anyways. <laughs> Hey, great talking with you guys. Thank you, Jerry.
And that's Jerry Mahoney throughout the very first pitch ever for Jefferson Baseball all those years ago. And tonight, they're celebrating 50 years of baseball in Jefferson High School with Jerry Mahoney being there and Bruce Clinton. So, very cool talking with uh, Jerry there. And if you missed any of that, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. we got to get to our final break of the show. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up and get to Parker's Picks on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. Well, if you did listen to the Orioles yesterday at 1 o'clock here on WEPM and WCST, you knew that the lock of the day did hit. It was the Orioles beating the Red Sox. We struck out, sadly, on our bonus picks. The Reds ended up beating the Rangers, and Adelise Garcia only had one total base. We were looking for two-plus for the Rangers outfielders. So going into today, I'm going with a homer pick for lock of the day because I just want to see this get over with. Celtics are beating the Hawks tonight. And this thing, get Trey Young out of the playoffs. I just, no, no, get him out of here. Celtics are today's lock of the day. I just, doing it in Atlanta would probably make it feel a little bit better too, especially after what happened in game five. Taking the Celtics to close it out here in six against the Hawks, and as well as today's bonus picks. I'm going with Luke's cards. They've been struggling a little bit this season, but I'm going with the Cardinals over the Giants today. I just got a good feeling about St. Louis today. Feeling good. They're plus 126. They're a little bit of a dog in this one, but we're going to take the Cardinals to get the win here as well. as I got Garrett Coles over on strikeouts. It's a high number. It's 8.5, but they're playing the Rangers. But, man, Derek Garrett Cole has been dealing this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. It's plus 118. But I trust Garrett Cole. The dude just throws strikes. He goes late. In, he goes really late into games. I'm feeling this one for today. So again, today's picks: Boston is beating Atlanta. It's today's lock of the day: the Cardinals beat the Giants, and as well as Garrett Cole hits over that eight and a half strikeout prop for today. You're not taking the. Uh, you're not taking the Nats over the Mets. I I debated it, but if anything, I would have taken the Mets in that one. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to pull that one out. Man, they're home dogs too, dude. I don't. I would be very shocked if the Nats went up to New York and put a full-on sweep of the Mets. I'd be that'd be shocking. Five nothing, four one. I'd be shocked. I mean, that's impressive. They're going. And it's a team in the Mets where everyone was pegging them as probably National League favorites. So I mean, that's again we talked about it at the start of the show. That's progress for this Washington team that we've talked about is trying to really piece a core together. And it seems like it's slowly formulating, mainly that being, again, Josiah Gray, Kiba Ruiz, C.J. Abrams, if he can get his errors down, he'll be taken care of. And then the young guys that will come up towards the end of this season and in the next season. The core is coming together for Washington, and it's slowly going to piece together. I think C.J. Abrams is fixed, These at least these last six weeks or so. Or six weeks, I haven't been six weeks in the season yet. But these last couple of games, I mean, the first game, home, you know, opening day, he's like 12 years old, I think. So, of course, maybe the lights were a little bright for him that day, but he's hitting the ball well now. The He's fielding well. He made a couple of great plays uh, so far in this series against the Mets. So, I think I think C.J. Abrams might be fixed as of now. Yeah, I think so. Also, uh, shout out to Luke for showing me that little uh, little news break there. Uh, Gavin Young got invited to the uh, spring game for Maryland as well. Nice. Springs, so, 
Uh, he'll be over that way. He's, I mean, again, it's a guy we've talked about at length, Gavin. He's a fantastic receiver. We, have, Of course, we had Wes Eddy, the new Berkeley Springs head football coach, on the show a few weeks back. He mentioned ways that he's going to try and use Gavin as not only a receiver, but a way to maybe get the ball in his hands, potentially some snaps at the running back spot. So it's a guy that's definitely on a lot of people's radars. He's a rising junior. So, again, he's got more time to really formulate his game. But that's a big get for Gavin, especially from a smaller school in Berkeley Springs going up to a spring game in Maryland. I mean, that's that's impressive for a guy of that length. And he, again, he's one of the better receivers in double A, if you ask me. But a big get for Gavin. Congratulations to him. All right. So we got the draft tonight. NFL draft. Who's going number one? Bryce Young. That's um, it's set in stone. Yeah. Bryce Young. Yeah. Tyson Bajant. <laughs> and I saw last night Tyson Bajant. Yeah. I think you should go Tyson Bajant, Joey Fisher, Ronnie Brown, one, two, three. What do you think? I can but, see that. Um, but um, what's the, the quarterback from Kentucky? Will, Will, Will Levis. Levis. People are saying people Will are Levis all over him right now. First. Well, people are all over him right now saying, because if you look at his stats in the, against SEC opponents, wasn't very good, all now, things considered, I last will year. say this. I don't understand, and we can do a whole hour on the draft, but people are saying that people are knocking Hendon Hooker and saying that he could be a much better quarterback because he played hurt. Will Levis also played hurt. All season. And, all season. And Will Levis, head-to-head, when he was healthy, dominated Anthony Richardson. So, you know, as a Raider fan, I, I want to see them go and hopefully the the, the fact that uh, C.J. Stroud might fall to them at seven, which would mm-hmm. be awesome. If the Raiders walk away from the night with Will Levis as their quarterback, I've convinced myself that it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I'd rather have him than Richardson. I'd rather have him than Hooker. I'm not sure where I stand on Skaronski, although I do think he's the best tackle in the draft. I don't know. Nothing like draft day, talking yourself into these picks. You oh, know? dude, I, I, mean, I, do it, I do it every year, admittedly. I mean, I thought Henry Ruggs was going to solve a lot of problems, and he ended up causing more. Alex Leatherwood was a problem. Uh, and we don't need to get into the Raider draft history. But uh, from what I understand, and I think we're going to do a little ping pong back and forth, but the, the, the lion's share of the work, the heavy lifting from the heavy lifter himself, Parker Stone, is going to be uh, live tweeting from the EP Sports Twitter account tonight. So yes, you'll, I get, will. you'll get our uh, immediate feedback on what's going on in the first round. Absolutely. So we'll be live tweeting out that way, and we'll make sure we have Luke on for the uh, Raiders pick so we can either <laughs> rejoice and praise or I'll keep it PG. Or, hey, get ready for the Ravens to make a move tonight. Or, uh, One way or another, I don't know. Like apparently, the uh, rumors have been flying that a uh, potential DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. trade could be happening over the weekend. So I don't know if he's going to go in Baltimore. I've heard Buffalo. I've heard Kansas City. But again, I think it just it smells like Baltimore because just <laughs> just from that Lamar Jackson tweet. What does Baltimore smell like? Yeah, besides love- Old Bay and Old Bay. Old Bay and- Say, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what Baltimore smelled like. That's 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 an exclusive episode. What what does Baltimore smell like? Save that for the secondary podcast. Yeah. There you go. That's a that's that's for the late show tonight. Yeah. But again, like I feel like for the Raiders right now, if I'm looking at their history, they've got to nail this draft because you've got to nail every draft, and they don't. So it's again, you just look at their history. Again, you pick Alex Leatherwood in the first round in 21. Ruggs and 20 and Arnett, both guys out of the league. 2019, Cleveland Farrell, no longer with the team. Josh Jacobs is the only salvageable salvageable pick in the 2019 draft. Abram turned out to be a bust for him. Colt Miller turned out to be pretty good. Gary and Conley turned out to be a bust, and you just keep going and going and going. All the way back to Khalil Mack. It's it's more misses than hits for the Raiders. And again, the draft picks they have taken and have hit on, they've traded away. Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. So it's it's a very important draft for the Raiders. I think really... It's either they're taking best player available on the board, whether that's Skaronsky or Paris Johnson Jr. or 
someone of that nature, or they're going to take their quarterback of the future, which I'm kind of leaning towards that way. It's it's sounding like Stroud's going to fall a little bit. Who knows? If he falls to seven, I'll lose my mind. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's really possible. Dream. So, I mean, if if I was the general manager of the Raiders, my my first round approach would be really hope that he falls or take Joey Porter Jr. But I have a feeling that that's not what's going to happen. You guys mm-hmm. ready for the uh, the surprise of the draft? I I kind of got a feeling what's going to be the surprise of the draft. Paris Johnson Jr. is going to go three to the Cardinals. <laughs> Three. Three. Yuck. He's going Yuck. three to the Cardinals. Three. Yuck. I'm feeling They're right. never going to pick that high again. I yeah. really don't want them to pick it on an average tackle. Yeah, make a move. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm well, saying if Arizona makes that pick, I would not be thrilled. Where do you, what do you guys feel? Uh, where would you put this draft class ranking in the last like, five drafts? What, what people aren't talking about enough because people want to talk about the first rounds is I think that this pros- is a, a, a deep loaded draft. It's yeah. a deep draft. From Player 30 to player 90, I think it's as deep as it's been. But the first round, there's no franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bijan Robinson's the best offensive player, but he's a running back, and people don't take running backs anymore. It's a weak tackle class. It's a strong cornerback class. Weak receiver class. Weak receiver class. Uh, weak linebacker, although people don't take linebackers in the first round. And the edge talent is good talent, but not great talent. So, I mean, the first round is one of the weakers we've seen. But, you know, when you get to the middle picks, and that's no better exemplified by the three Shepherd guys. And that the, the, the fact that this is such a deep class may hurt them all in the end because of, the, you know, not having position scarcity. But the fact that, you know, Joey Fisher could be somebody that could start, and I know it's a hot take, I know, he could start at guard for mm-hmm. a bad NFL team right now. I mean, in three months when he gets through the weight room and whatever. And he might not get drafted. You know, Tyson Bagent is one of the highest IQ quarterbacks, you know, the Wonderlick, whatever, has unbelievable passing. He might not get drafted. Ronnie Brown runs a 4-4 mm-hmm. and is an elite pass catcher at a running back position, a very good kick returner. He might not get drafted. That I mean, I know that the D2 tag goes into that as well, but I think that also epitomizes that this is a really deep class. Well, to talk about that D2 tag, because, uh, of course, we're familiar with it with the Shepard guys and whatnot, but you look at um, Fair State's Caleb, Caleb Murphy. Caleb yeah. Murphy I mean, he guy. is an animal oh i take there. him in a heartbeat yeah he's an animal but do you think that d2 tag also is hitting him absolutely i mean absolutely especially i mean if you're breaking records at that point that right. honestly probably does more to hurt you than harm you because then people are saying well they're doing it against bad talent right. you know they said people might be saying that about tyson they would be wrong but that's what they would be saying yeah absolutely i i, I look at it pr- from the perspective of being a raider fan and I would give just about anything for them to take Joey Fisher, for them to take Tyson Bajan. Don't necessarily need Ronnie Brown, but he seems like he's a cool locker room guy to have mm-hmm. around, a big play guy. And Caleb Murphy, I would love to have a depth edge rusher that has sacked the quarterback more than any other player in this draft class. Regardless of the level that he's playing at, I would love to take the, all, all of those guys. All and right. again, Murphy has ideal size at the edge. He's big. He's, he's 6'3", 255. I mean, that's, that's an ideal 3-4 edge if you're looking for a guy. Throw your guests out there for uh, our Shepherd boys. Where are they going? Joey Fisher's going in the fifth round. Tyson's going in the seventh. To where? To who? Uh, ooh, I don't. I wouldn't know without the picks in front of me. I don't know who has a fifth round pick. Um, I know the Jets really like Joey, so I'll just go ahead and say the Jets. And Packers and Commanders seem like they've been all over Tyson. Yeah, man, the Commanders would be so much fun. That would be pretty yeah. cool. That'd be a cool story. Let's say, uh, let's. Uh, if the Commanders have a seventh round pick, I don't know. And then Ronnie Brown gets a chance in training camp, ends up in the XFL, uh, and Brian Walker ends up in the CFL. That's what's my prediction. I'm going to say Joey is a surprise third round pick. Oh my god. I can see that man. He got so much pub from that just that senior day alone to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. God, I would hate that so what much. What a what a home run attempt that would be by the by the Steelers. I would hate that. I'm so not saying much. they don't do it, but man, that would be something.
Oh, spe- I just got a text here saying, Bajan to the Chiefs in the seventh round. Take it to the bank. Ooh. Interesting. He could be the next Chad Henney. Man. Bajan to the uh, yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, Mahomes isn't going to play all 17 games right. this year, so. Man. Time will tell. That's what's always fun about uh, draft day, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, all possibilities. All the possibilities are there. But if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Got about a minute left here, fellas. Anything else? Um, I'll say Bajent goes to the Seahawks, and I will say Ronnie will get a camp invite from the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Oh, just wanted to touch back. We talked about the Knicks beating the Cavs. The yeah. Heat upset the number one team in the Eastern Conference. They Bucks beat the Bucks. Can you imagine that? Who'd have thought that was going to happen? In five. Grizz- yeah. Exactly. Grizzlies battled back. That series is going to be fun down the stretch, and the Warriors took a 3-2 to two lead over the Kings. There's only one game tonight. It's that Boston game, which is going to mm-hmm. help the NFL draft. People are going to watch that game and then turn back over to the NFL draft. Uh, but, man, just shout-out to the Heat. I hate Eric Spolstra, but he's a heck of a coach. <laughs> it stopped that game being at, like, 10 o'clock last night, too. <laughs> yeah, randomly on the East Coast. Yeah, like, I was like, what yeah, are we doing? It's like, I'm going to skip that. One now that the Knicks blew out the Cavs, man. On to the second round. You don't need Donovan it. Mitchell. If we had Donovan inter- Mitchell needed New York. If we had internet right now, I'd be blasting. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? Blasting it. But that does it for us for today. Like I said, if you missed any show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page for Parker and Luke. I'm Jordan. Keep an eye on our Twitter page tonight at EP Sports Network. We live tweeting the draft. Uh, Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.